Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. For this time, um, we've been doing a, a teaching series. Well, this is really only week two into it, but we started the new year on neighboring, neighboring. And we're going to talk about like love, you know, the line here is love where you live. Now, did you, do you love where you live? I know when I was a kid, I actually love where I lived. In fact, I lived in three neighborhoods. Two of them you might recognize depending on your age. I grew up in a neighborhood where a nice man in a sweater invited me in to be his neighbor with the words, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Won't you be mine? Will you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Remember that one? You might have lived in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. I also grew up in another neighborhood. Sunny day, sweeping the clouds away. On my way, where the air is sweet. Can you tell me how to get how to get to Sesame Street? This is like see, this is like a karaoke with Elmer Fudd here, it sounds like. No, that was a great that was a great neighborhood, except for that grouchy, that grouchy guy in the garbage can and the, the creepy count. One, two, three. I was always freaked out by that guy. But that those are some neighborhoods. But my third neighborhood was a real neighborhood. It was 3311 McAlpine Road. Lots of space in that neighborhood to run around. And I had a, a little buddy, a little friend named Bino. He was a real kid. His name his real name was Ryan, but they called him Bino. Now, I don't, to this day, why they called him Bino. I mean, I, we can make some guesses of why that is, but we won't go there on that. Now he's like 40-something. They go, I wonder if he's still called Bino. I don't wonder, there was a wonderful elderly couple named the Strands, and I'd go over there, have cookies, and we'd play Chinese checkers, and so my mom would call me, Danny, time to come home. And, and so I lived in this neighborhood where was just like a lot of older people, which was great, and, you know, just the generations that were there. We had a a neighbor named Aggie. She was the nosiest neighbor ever. Uh, she, she, you go on vacation, you come back, and she let everybody know, you know, what happened in, in your yard, what what dogs came through, and who belonged to them. And I mean, she she knew everything that was going on and it was happening. So here's the question for you: Is what 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 was your neighborhood like growing up? You can tell a lot by our lives is kind of how we were raised, of course, but even our neighborhoods. Uh, so for some of us. We might have grown up in a neighborhood like I described. Some of you might have just were in a really rough neighborhood. You didn't really pay attention too much to your neighbors. Nowadays, neighbors, neighborhoods have really changed a lot. In fact, just even the way houses are designed. Uh, back in the day when, when they built homes, and though sometimes now they're changing a little bit, but for a long period of time, um, you know, back in the old days, they, they had front porches. Homes had front porches. And then pretty soon it went to, you know, two-car garages and patios in the back. So a lot of people didn't spend a lot of time getting, even get to know your neighbors. Uh, and, and yet, you know, that we, we have, we have neighbors and I think we have the mentality that to, uh, you know, by the way, I've got, I'm on cold medication too. So I don't know, I don't take responsibility for what I'm about to say. Um, but I just had that moment going, I think it's kicking in. Um, is that, you know, a lot of times we think of our homes as more of a refuge. You know, I can't get, I can't wait to get home to relax. Don't we say that? And as much as that's nice to do and, and good to have a place to come home to, 
we can kind of get enclosed in our own little world. And, and besides the customary wave, how's the weather to our neighbors, we really don't spend a whole lot of time thinking about it. In fact, uh, I, uh, you and I have, you know, we've met our neighbors and, you know, and you realize they're, they're kind of weird, you know? And so, uh, you know, last week we said, if you don't have weird neighbors, you're, you're the weird neighbor. Um, but you, you might be going, well, why are we making a big deal about neighbors? Well, the big deal is this, is that God has made it a big deal. See, I never thought my address as important as it was to God. See, I thought where I lived, where I grew up, it really had to do with economics. It's what my parents could afford and what, as an adult now, what I can afford and the type of neighborhood I, I live in. But yet, if you really think about it, in fact, Scripture tells us here that, that God has a divine purpose where we live. Our exact GPS location actually has divine intention. I love Luke writes in the book of Acts in chapter 17, he says this, the God who made the whole world, everything in it, in the land and the sea, he did not live in, in human uh, temples built by human hands. This God is the one who gives life, breath, and everything else to people. He does not need any help from them. He has everything he needs. God, it goes on, it says, God begins by making one person and from him came all the different people who lived everywhere in the world, God decided exactly where, when and where they must live. Now we go back for a moment and think about this. The God who made everything, the God of every detail, the God who knows the number of hairs on your head, knows how many clams are in the sand in Birch Bay. He is the one, the God Almighty, all sovereign God. He picked your exact geographic location. Now, why is that? Verse 27 says that God wanted them to look for him and perhaps search all around for him and find him, though he's not far from any of us. I think it's so powerful to reflect upon that every single location you have lived in your life, my, my location, where we currently live, every single place for the season we've been in, it has everything to do about with God's all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-present purpose that he has. And for us to seek him and reach out to him and find him, even though he's not far from us. And if that's true for you, why is it not true for your neighbor as well? See, if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, believing in, in Jesus' mission to go and make disciples of all nations, wouldn't it start with our own neighborhood? Wouldn't it start with our very location that we're at? Neighboring, see, was all really a part of God's divine plan. In fact, God himself decided to move in your subdivision, my subdivision, called planet Earth. I love the message where it says this in John. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory from our own eyes, the one of, of a kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out from start to finish. See, Jesus models to us what it means to be a good neighbor and why. If you were here last week, we started off our series really talking about the why. The very heart issue is, is our heart. <laughs> the, very, the very issue is our, is our heart. See, we reflect on the fact that Jesus' method was to come and be one of us. Uh, but when he came to be one of us, he, wasn't, he came different than, than others that, that, that would speak of who God is. See, God, Christ didn't come for us to help us obey the, the HOA covenant rules in our neighborhood. 
uh, the Ten Commandments, as much as the Ten Commandments are powerful and they're, they're, they're to help our life, the reality is none of us can fulfill them. And so Jesus came along and says, hey, listen, really there's two, two commandments of those Ten Commandments. And really there's one word that sums everything up. Do you remember what word that was last week? Do you remember what it was? Love. That love is the, is the mesh, message and the method in which Jesus was going to move into our, our neighborhood. And through the Gospels, Jesus, uh, his motivation method was this love. And even this, the proof of us being one of his had to do with love. He says this, by this, everyone know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And we left off last week with this challenge, with this question is, what does love require of me? What does love require of me? At the end of the day, it's not just following a bunch of rules. It's if love is what rules our life, how, how does that work? And, and in some ways, this last week, I reflect on how does that work in a practical way? Uh, I had an opportunity one day. I was in the grocery line, and there was a friend I hadn't seen for a while and, and wanted to connect with him. And so we were chatting a little bit, uh, you know, knowing that they had, he has some health issues and struggles. And so uh, we are going through the line together. And, you know, I paid for my thing and I think, man, how can I help this person? I just wanted to do something. And, and I just felt prompted to give him a gift card that I had in my wallet. And it was somebody gave me a gift card over Christmas and it was the exact same grocery store that I was in. I'm like, well, that, that was easy. And so I handed it over him. He was really appreciative of it. He was like, wow, thank you so much. It wasn't 20 bucks. It wasn't a whole lot, but I, I went away and feeling good about that. And, and I, and I, and I don't brag about that as the same, the fact that, that that was pretty easy to do. It was just like asking a question, what does love require me? And it, it was a freeing thing. It wasn't like I could easily kind of go, oh, I kind of need this for something else. No, it was just, it was, it was easy to do. And I'm like, man, I wish I would do that more. What if I did that more? What if I live my life a little bit freer that way, an opportunity? But I, I, I'm starting to get, get the idea that, that maybe that's how, lo- that's, how we, that's how love rules our life, is, is to take those opportunities that we have to love in, in, a, in, a, in a pure way, really. See, Jesus made it all about love. His mes- message and method was all about love. And yet not everybody liked it. That was the crazy thing about Jesus, and the people that really, really didn't like Jesus was the religious people. They were about the rules. They were not about the relationship. And so when we found this to be true, especially what we started off last week, we're going to go back to, is where Luke writes in chapter 10 of the gospel of Luke, is really an anchor passage that we're doing this whole series of neighboring through. And I want to go back to it, reread what we read last week. And then pull something out uniquely from it. Um, one, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to in- inherit eternal life? What is it written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You answer correctly, replied Jesus replied. And then the next verse that really gripped me, I'm not sure if we have that up there, but the next verse in this, I'll read to you, verse verse 28, it says this, do this and you will live. Do this and you will live. That really stood out for me. Do this and you will live. And I'm just like, what does that really mean? That if I love God with all my heart, soul, strength, and mind, and I love my neighbor as myself, 
Jesus says, you do this. Actually, it doesn't say like, think this or like, feel this. Do this and you will live. Maybe you've heard the term love does. There's an action that's taken when we love, but there's, a, there's an outcome is that we live. And you're thinking, well, we live, don't we? We're living and breathing. But the word live here is interesting. It's not the word bios, which means existence. It's actually the word in Greek is zoe, which means uh, zesty, abundant, and full and vitality or full of life. And I thought that's so powerful that when we love God and love our neighbor as ourselves, there's life that comes from it. There's something of energy and excitement that takes place to love God and to love our neighbor as our, ourself. Now, loving God in some ways is actually, I don't know if you thought about that, it seems a little easier than loving others. When you love a perfect being in the universe, they're going to love you back with your pure love. And there's, there's an easier thing that if, you, if, you're in, if you're in a relationship with the Lord, you discover that how amazing and it's easy to love God and all that he does and all that he provides and everything. But to love your neighbor is a whole nother thing because, man, the, loving, loving people that are imperfect is very, very hard. And yet, our love for God, how many know, is revealed in how we love others. And specifically, Jesus says to love your neighbor as yourself. And so when you think about your neighbor, literally your neighbor, you're thinking, I'm supposed to love them? I don't even like them. <laughs> Let's be honest with you, with some of us. We probably think that sometimes. Man, they don't bring their garbage can you know, can in for the week. Or can they put it away? Their, their teenagers park their cars in our, you know, in our front of our house. There's, there's certain things that we get kind of bugged by our neighbors rather than the idea of really loving your neighbor and, and how, how that can be kind of hard. In fact, if you're wondering, how do you love your neighbor? That's the question that this religious, this religious lawyer was asking. He wasn't satisfied with Jesus' answer. He said this, he said in verse 29, but he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? And I don't know if, that, what, if you understand what that means, justify himself. Basically, we talked a little bit about this last week, but he had within his own justifying ways of thinking that he's already uh, really accomplished this already. And see, what was going on is, is that it's almost a rhetorical question, like saying to Jesus, I already have done this. I've already loved I already love my neighbor myself. In his mind, loving his neighbor, you know who it was? It was people just like him. And in the Levitical code, it was like, you take care of your own. You, you, your neighbor is the people that are like you. They have the same religious background as you. So it was kind of a rhetorical question. It was almost telling Jesus, hey, I checked this box off. I've done my civic duty of loving my neighbor. And yet the mentality, though, as you look into it, is actually very opposite to the message of Jesus and the story that we're going to look at, that he draws, he draws the, the, the meaning of it all and really draws people back to God in response to that. And, and we're going to look at that story in a moment, but I want to say it in a practical terms here of what really is happening is this, that it, it, it's this point is that real love looks for a way in, not a way out. Real love looks for a way in, not a way out. See, this guy was looking at a way out of loving. He was making religious excuses of why he couldn't do what he was going to do. And, and, and yet God intended for him to love in a certain way that he was looking maybe at technicality not to do it or kind of the minimum to get out of it. Last week, we talked about that creating a loophole. 
a way of not out of technicality doing something. And so how love can't be loopholes. That really real love looks for a way and looks for opportunity to love, not how to get out of it. Now, before we bash this religious guy, I think we all could say we're guilty of justifying ourselves for not loving. We, we, we live in a very consumer mindset world and, and we get focused on all the needs that we have, don't we? We, we, we're busy with what we got going on, especially even our own family. I mean, in some ways we make the excuses, man, I can barely take, take care of my own family, let alone help anybody else outside my, my circle. And the reality is, is that that was the excuse of this guy and, and Jesus wasn't buying it. And I would tell you the challenge is the same for us is that Jesus is not buying that excuse. He actually goes further and probably the most famous story in scripture, like one of Jesus, the, one of Jesus' stories, like when you hear this Jesus story, even if you're not a church person or not even a Christian, you're like, oh, I know this story. <clears throat> I've heard this one before. And so here's Jesus' response to who is my neighbor. In reply, Jesus asked, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw him, saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. When he saw him, he took pity on him. And he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him in to brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper looking after him. He said, when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you might have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who has mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Sounds familiar, right? Then you say, well, that's what that is. That's, that's going to be one of the most famous stories in all scripture, the Good Samaritan story. And here's the danger of the story. Here is the danger of that being, being so familiar that we can look at that story as a metaphor. We can look at that story even further as this as a cliche. It looks really good on a, a mug. It looks really good on a plaque you get from the Christian bookstore or a little slogan on Pinterest. In fact, there's wonderful humanitarian uh, organizations. We, we, we have one in our community, Nursing Home, the Good Samaritan Society has, is, is here. We have this, you've heard of Samaritan's Purse, where you, you pack little shoeboxes and you send them to third world countries at Christmas time. Those things are wonderful things to do. But if we're not careful, we can make those as token duties to really what the real heart and desire that, that Jesus has for us. The very reason why he moved in our subdivision in the Milky Way galaxy to the very, to the very real location, our GPS location, where we dwell half of our week of our life. The one location is where we live and loving our neighbor as ourself. See, God did so much in his sovereign plan to put us where we're at, at the very address, not just as a good idea, and look for loopholes to get out of it, but to literally do this. The love, because love looks for a way in, not a way out. Now hear me on this. 
We're not laying out some 10 step to how to reach out to your neighbor. Because you know what? Our neighbors will smell that a mile away. They'll, 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 there's some scheme. Nobody wants to be snowed on anything like that. No, the real, the real agenda is living a lifestyle of love. To live a lifestyle of love. So I, I've got this simple, crazy question that we have here is this. What if we actually took Jesus' words literally to love your neighbor as yourself? I want you to chew on that for a moment. And we'll chew on it as we look and, and pull some thoughts from the story that Jesus tells. But what if we actually did this? What if, our literally, what if Jesus meant literally our neighbors right next door to us? So I want to talk about some life lessons in loving our literal neighbors. The first is this, that God will use even the ungodly to teach us how. That God will use even the ungodly to teach us how. It's not obvious maybe to us in this story, but it was almost a slap in the face to the people that were hearing the story that Jesus was telling. Because he was speaking it not only to this religious lawyer, but I have a feeling that there was an earshot of some Pharisees around that were hearing it. Because when we read it, we go, oh, that's the good Samaritan story. But you know, the Jewish people back then, the Jewish religious people, they would actually go, no, that, there's no such thing as a good Samaritan. Maybe though, a dirty Samaritan. Maybe an unclean Samaritan. See, there was racial and religious prejudice towards Samaritans. They're considered half-breeds. They weren't quite pure Jews. And so people look down upon the Samaritans. And Jesus, in the way he does it, he makes the hero of the story a Samaritan. Man, that must appease those guys so much of why. And you think about why did he do that? Well, I think you and I can relate. The fact is this, is not every religious person is very loving. Have you discovered that? In fact, I could even go further, and I, I've had it in my own experience, that, that people that go to church or churchy people are not always very loving. Now, don't, raise, don't point any fingers to anybody here. Um, but we have experienced that, haven't we? That people that go to church, it doesn't mean they're very loving. In fact, some of us have had, grew up in some experiences that you kind of got away from the church because you felt like more people were judgmental than being loving. Because I'm wondering, what are people thinking when you drive away, on, as you did this morning, to come to church? Some of you, they know that you're a church person. You drove away, and, they, and you waved, and then well, what are what they're thinking. Oh, there goes a nice, wonderful Christian family or person. Or they go, man, that person, I can't stand them. They seem to be uppity-up or whatever. I mean, do, do you need to worry about what your neighbors think of you? I think there's a place for that. But it's not just about reputation but it's our sincerity of who we really are. And so it's not about us looking religious or acting a certain, looking a certain way, but are we judged, are we looked at by the love that we have for not only our, our love for God, but our love for one another, specifically Jesus says our love, love for our neighbor. And so think about this in your own experiences. I, I found this, that this is the challenge for us all, is that I actually found people that, that are unchurched or they call pagan that actually are better at loving others than, than church people. And I think that's a sad statement, isn't it? But yet it's a reality. And sometimes we can learn from people how to love others by how people are being loved. You think, well, they don't have the love of God in them. Well, I, I don't know their heart. You don't know their heart. Just because they don't go to church doesn't mean they don't have a loving heart. And so we can learn from them. And, and actually that can be an opportunity, a bridge point with our neighbors. They show us maybe many times, whether you go to church or not, that real love looks for a way in, not a way out. 
to follow that example. Now, another thought, another lesson of literal loving our neighbors is this, love those who are nothing like you. To love those who are nothing like you. Remember, Luke says that the religious lawyer tried to justify himself. And Jesus makes a huge point of it here is that the literal word for neighbor, you know, this guy, this guy said, well, loving people that are near me, that are like me. Jesus makes the opposite. He goes, loving people that are near you, but not like you. Now, I don't know if you know anybody that, are, that you're near, but it's not like you. Probably your literal neighbors. Now, you might live in, 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 as I do, you know, where we live is economically, you share the same similarities. But you, even though they may be a person who can afford the same house that you live in or where you're at, doesn't mean they, they have the same lifestyle as you, do they? Doesn't mean they don't have the same background. They can be so opposite and so different than you. That, But get this, is that God put them literally right next door to you. And so some of us would go, man, I don't relate with them. And they're probably thinking the same thing about you. I have no idea. I don't understand that person. Because I've learned this, is that people seem normal until you get to know them. Have you discovered that? And it's so true in our lives. It's, but yet people, God put right before us. And the cool thing about it is that, that, that Jesus says, hey, you're, they're right next door. You have this opportunity that's there. Now, the big question is, well, how do you love your neighbor? Well, Jesus tells us how. How do you literally do this? He tells us this in the one way. He says, love your neighbor as your, what? Self. Self. Jesus saying, love them like you like to be loved. Now, here's the question is, how would we like to be loved? How would you like to be loved? You know how to be loved. Now, do you, you appreciate someone delivering you baked goods at your door? Some of you go, well, I'm gluten-free. I can't eat that. Well, pray, we'll pray for you on that. But go with me on this. Like, if that's awesome, right? Someone delivering that to you. How can you not turn that down? Someone coming along and bringing your your mail got in the wrong mailbox or the wrong Amazon delivery. And, oh man, thanks for, thanks for delivering that. Thanks for bringing that to me. But people that wave to you are nice to you. Don't we want the same? Aren't, aren't the needs of our neighbors similar to our needs? Is it really that hard? Here's the thing though. Real love looks for a way in, not a way out. And so there's these opportunities that we can capitalize. These moments, these right moments that are before us. And and then I would say this is, don't sidestep the opportunity right in front of you. Don't sidestep the opportunity. Jesus makes it obvious that the story of the religious people are the ones that sidestep. The Levite and the priests are the ones. They, did, they didn't want to get their hands dirty. They didn't, they, they didn't want to get it too involved. And they had a lot of reasons and probably a lot of excuses. In fact, next week, we're going to spend some time speculating on excuses or barriers or, or, or ways to try to get out of loving that we could, we're going to look at. But the reality is that God gives us these divine opportunities literally at our our footsteps sometimes, even at, or even at our doorstep. A couple of weeks ago, I was on, it was after, just after Christmas, I actually was off that day and my wife had gone to work, my kids are gone and I was just home alone and it was fairly early in the morning, maybe 8, 8.30 and I get a knock at the door and I open it up and it's Steve, my neighbor across the street. He's in his pajamas and he had locked himself out of his house. And I said, well, come on in. He goes, he goes man, I could, I could really use your phone. 
Um, and I said, no problem. He, he made a phone call. I think his, his wife was out of town. He was calling his sister. And, and uh, he was about ready to leave. I'm like, well, Steve, it's cold outside, man. Why don't you come in and sit, sit down? And I poured him a cup of coffee. And, and we had a great conversation. I, I've known Steve for six years, but I, I really didn't spend a whole lot of time getting to know him. It was only driveway conversation. Never been in his house. First time he's been in my house, which is kind of sad. But I just come to the fact that, you know, need brings people together. And, and not only that we can reach out as, as the good Christians reach out to our neighbors, but our neighbors need us to need them. There's something powerful when we're, we're in an interdependent relationship with one another to, to reach out and, 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 you know, reach out in people that are in need and people that are uh, caring for people. But it's also good to receive the care and need because they, they want to help as well. So I've got this little assignment for you this week is, is for you to do a block watch actually just watch your neighborhood. Watch what people are doing. Now, I don't mean stalking your neighbors, but I'm just saying look for opportunities that can come your way. That maybe when you're driving down your street as you're pulling into your, your parking spot or your driveway or garage, before you close yourself into your world and your own little refuge, look for ways and means or ways to be able to reach out in just small ways to your neighbor. Pay attention to them. You know, if they're walking their dog or if they're, they're outside, uh, d- d- take, some, take advantage of some, some moments. And then even if you could pray, God, give me opportunity. I, my friend down at Bellingham, Christ the King, Todd King, he has a, he did a little prayer on his phone. He puts Luke 10.27 at 10.27 a.m. on his phone and remind him to pray for his neighbors, to love which is love your neighbor as yourself. Whatever way that you can be intentional, do that. To do that, to take some steps as well that you can do to reach out. Now here's where I might like put a pin and pop your little bubble being the good Samaritan is this. The real hero of the story is not to be us. The real hero of the Good Samaritan story, not to be us. See, there's another grave danger that we can find as we look at this story. And maybe if it's been in Sunday school, you're like, okay, I need to be the Good Samaritan. I'm, or I'm already being the Good Samaritan. And again, I'm going to pop your bubble is the fact that I believe Jesus made a point is that it's not just about, not just about, and he says, go and do likewise, not just about us being the Good Samaritan, but we can recognize that we are also the, we are one time the man on the road bleeding. See, we got to have that perspective is the fact that at one point, we got beaten and bloodied by our own sin. We got waylaid by our own sinful choices. We got kicked to the curb. <clears throat> and people didn't want to reach out to us because we were too messy. We were too dysfunctional. And we were on the side of the road bleeding and dying. And Jesus came along. Jesus didn't go on the other side. He did what love does. Love doesn't avoid. Love goes straight towards. And Jesus reached down and picked us up and he cared for us and he brought healing and wholeness and salvation. And what's beautiful about the whole thing and all that he did in his rescuing, he paid for the whole tab. His blood on the cross took care of all our sin and all our woundedness and our pain. And he brought wholeness in our life. Aren't you glad that Jesus showed up, that real love looks for a way in, not a way out? And I don't know about you, but I, at times, I'm just so filled with gratitude that all that Jesus has done for me. And when I'm in those moments of gratitude in my life, it gives me a greater capacity to love others. When I really think about how much Jesus rescued me, 
how much he, his love came down and rescued me. And, and, and I am his. I'm in a relationship with him. It changes me from, and it reminds me from the inside out. That is on my good day. On my bad day, I'm out for myself. On my bad days, I'm all about taking care of what I need to take care of. And I'm loving myself more than I'm loving my neighbor. And, and there's a selfish love that goes with that. And there's a fight that goes on. And what I've discovered though, when I again find and, and fall in love with Jesus and really experience his love, it helps me at least a little bit easier to love others, specifically love my neighbors. Now, Jesus goes further in other places where he says this, he says, love your enemies. Now, I hope your, your neighbor is not your enemy. But some of you might have that as a problem. You might find that's difficulty. Last week, I was talking with somebody and they're, they're dealing with their, you know, it was a dog situation, you know, and, and they're, they're not enemies of their neighbor. The dog, the, the neighbors don't like them because they're dogs. And I find that that happens a lot, that we're kind of like more tolerating our neighbors rather than loving them. And so I understand this, and I think this is so powerful to know that, again, loving your neighbors is not a metaphor it's not something that we do and help those people over there where neighbors are the people in our world to help out. But literally loving people right where they're at, that's where rubber meets the road. And I would tell you this is that's where love is truly tested, isn't it? It's, it's the people to try to love the people that, that, that we're closest to. And, and, and sometimes you can love the people like your, your own kids or your own, you know, wife or husband and people, then, you know, that, that can be tough loving, but they're part of you. But taking the next step and loving people outside of you is really, really hard. But again, loving your neighbor means loving people near you that's not like you. And so it takes a greater capacity to love. But I will say this is that love, loving God is revealed in our love for others and specifically our neighbors. And that's a challenge. That's a challenge for all of us. And as our team comes, I want to with that, I want to give this final question, and it's what I've been trying to convey here in the last few minutes, is this. Do I take Jesus seriously? You know, him being the Savior and the, of my soul and the Lord of my life, when he says, love for him is revealed in my love for my neighbor. Is that really true? Is that really true for you and for me? To love in that capacity? Well, the reason we can love in that capacity is because we've been loved first. That Jesus was the one that came along and we we're bleeding and, and, and dying on the, on the road to Jericho. And he's the one that came and, and pulled us out of the ditch. Brought healing to our wounds and, and help that we're needed to continue on in the journey of life to bring wholeness in our life because of what you did on the cross, a complete work that was done because of him. Aren't you grateful for that work? And if you're so grateful for that work, how about we help others? Others find him. Others find healing and wholeness. That we are that extension of Jesus, literally to the neighbors next door, literally to the person that you work with the cubicle right next to you, literally to the person, you know, that you see every single day to reach out. God puts you right where you're at in the season for a purpose, to love him and to love others. I want to pray today. But as we pray, as you bow your heads and pray this morning, let's pray, pray for changed hearts. Let's pray for changed hearts. But before we pray for the changed hearts of those out there,
Can we pray for our own heart today? Wherever there's callousness and hardness, wherever there's, I don't know, just, un, just a sense of angst or just feeling you're unloving, that we'd be reminded of God's love. Lord, we, we pray right now that your love is a supernatural love. It's love beyond this world. It's the love that we can't come up with ourselves. The human type of love is such a selfish love. It's transactional, Lord. It's what we, we love because people loved us. But Jesus, when we, when we weren't loving, when we were, the Bible says, when we were enemies of you, you came and rescued us because of your love. You demonstrated. You showed us what love does by going to the cross so that we could be pulled from the ditches of life and to be rescued and to be uh, brought healing and wholeness in our life. And Lord, now it's our turn to do the same. And God, we pray that within the capacity of our love that we have for you, Lord, that it will be revealed in our love for others, specifically our, our neighbors, Lord. God, give us opportunity this week. May we be sensitive to those moments, the, the neighbors that come to our door, the neighbors that wave at us, where there is need and opportunity to reach out to them, God. May we be you to them with skin on this week to a, a loving, to a world that desperately, desperately needs your love. And Lord, of all the people, all the people in this world to show your love, it would be us to do that. It'd not only be proof and evidence of our love, but we would do it because we really truly want to love and want to reach out. God, help us to do that, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.